Amen. We'd like to welcome everyone this morning. If you're a guest with us, we welcome you. We're so glad that you are here worshiping with us. And we'd, we'd like to welcome in everyone that is watching us online this morning. If you're watching us live or watching us archived, we welcome you into our sanctuary this morning. We pray that you're blessed by what you see here and feel. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Last week, uh, it was Mother's Day, and, and God did some awesome things, and then we kind of got in a vein last week um, of something, and I'd like to continue that from a little dis- different perspective um, today. If you have your Bible, if you go with, to, with me to First Chronicles chapter 15, if you don't have a Bible, be not afraid. We will provide you the scriptures on the screen, First Chronicles chapter 15 and verse number 3, it says this, And David gathered all Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord unto its place, his place, which he had prepared for it. If you drop down a little farther to verse number 12, it says, And he said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because you did not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not, everybody say not, after the due order. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. Amen. Father, we need you today, God. I'm not interested in just another sermon or message to fill time, to do our religious obligation for the week, but God, we need a divine move of your spirit here today. Something that goes beyond just the words of a man but God, that goes to the fact that your presence is here, that you would touch us, that we would leave here changed by your presence, not by the words of anyone, but by the presence that is in this place. God, I pray right now that that would be loosed in this place. Help us today. Challenge us today. Change us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. God bless you. We find that the text tells us that David has received the charge after becoming uh, the king of Israel to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into Israel, back to Israel, back to Jerusalem. And the earlier the text tells us that uh, they brought the Ark back from the Philistines. The Philistines sent the Ark back. The Ark was brought back to Israel. Israel, and when they brought it back the first time, um, they didn't bring it back the way God had intended for the ark to be carried. They created a cart, and they pulled it with oxen. And so animals brought back the ark um, to Israel, and or, or, to the Israel, and it and it rested for a season in the house of a man named Abinadad, and it stayed there for around. 
20 years for a season. And finally, David had, had, had desired to bring the ark out of the house of Abinadad and bring it back to Jerusalem. If, if you've read any of the Old Testament, you understand the significance of the ark, what it represented. The ark always represented the presence of God. It's where the, the, the Shekinah, or in, in the Hebrew, the Doksar, the Habod, where, where God's almighty presence rested. It was the physical representation of the presence of God. God is omnipresent. God is everywhere all the time. But there's a difference between God's omnipresence and His manifested presence. God is with everybody. But with His people, He's specifically with. Everybody that walks around is technically walking in the presence of God because the Bible says God fills all space and all time. But with you and I here today, we get to experience the manifested presence of God. That's different than simply the omnipresence of God. The manifested presence of God is something that goes beyond just simply being in where God is. Because you see, when you get in the manifested presence of God, God is greater than everything. God has all power, all might, all ability. And there's one thing to be in the omnipresence of God, but there's a whole nother category to be in the manifested presence of God. Because the first time you walked into a church where the presence of God was being made manifested and you felt something, you didn't totally understand what you were feeling, but you recognized I'm in the presence of something I've never felt before. You couldn't explain it. It seemed a little weird. It may have even freaked you out a little bit to understand that there's something that's moving in this place that I don't really understand. I can't comprehend with my mind, but I know there's something in this place. That's the manifested presence of God. There's something about the manifested presence of God. The, the, the abiding presence of God, the, the presence of God that, that's almost tangible. Like when we walked in here this morning and, and, and we, this, those that came early spent a few moments in prayer ushering in the presence of God. And as we begin to sing, as we begin to, the, the praise, as we begin to, to worship a little bit, in just a few moments, you could feel something just begin to move in this place. It didn't come like a big earthquake. It didn't come with the shaking of the ceiling and the blinking of the lights, but just a gentle move of something came in this place and all of a sudden you could begin to look across this place and I have such a great advantage than you because I can stand up here and scan in just a moment all the faces in this room and I could begin to see in just a moment people begin to recognize that God was moving in this room. It wasn't simply because the fact some raised their hand, but there was something beginning to move beyond the exterior but it started to move on the inside. You could see people begin to respond. Why? It wasn't because of the good singing. It wasn't because the better, the, the beautiful auditorium that we're in. It was the fact that God was in this place. And God stepped in this place to manifest Himself in this place. You see, it's not the way we look. It's not the I'm just going to straight preach, okay? We're not, e we're not easing in this thing. We're just going to straight. Five, four, three, two, one, we're going, okay? If you want to slow ascent, this is the wrong time of day. 
But it's not about the way we look, the way we act, the way we talk, the what we do, what we don't do. That should distinguish us. We've fallen into trap thinking we're distinguished because of all that. That's not what should distinguish us. What should distinguish us is the glory of God that is on us because we've been in the presence of God. Because when Moses came down off the mountain after being in the glow, I feel the Holy Ghost... When he came down off the mountain after being in the glory cloud, his face was so changed that when they looked upon him, they couldn't even look at him because he was shining so bright. They said, Moses, you got to go put on a veil because you're so changed by being in the presence. He didn't dress different. He wasn't walking different. I don't know if he was even acting different, but there was something so revolutionizing about being in the glory, in the presence of God, that people didn't even have to ask where you've been. They recognize where you've been. You know what? When we leave church and we go out to eat or we go to Safeway or we go somewhere else, people should look at us and say, I don't understand what happened to you, but you've been somewhere different than I've ever been to. And that's when you can stop and say, I've spent about two hours in the glory cloud of the presence of God. We shouldn't be known by the beauty of our building. I'm thankful for the beauty of our building. It's one of the best buildings we've ever had in the history of this church. But you know what? Some of the greatest times this church history was on concrete floors with garage doors as walls, with folding chairs and, 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 and subpar sound equipment and no fancy lights and no video cameras and no internet and none of that stuff. But something was moving in that place. When somebody walked in, they didn't even pay attention to the garage doors and the unfinished ceiling and all the stuff around. They recognized, I don't know what's happening in this place, but something is moving in this place. We can spend all the money we want on lights and all that. We, we're spending money. We're going to continue to spend money to make it the best we can make it. And the plans for the new building, when you walk in there, your jaw is going to drop because it's going to be absolutely just gorgeous, amazing. But if that's all we got, <laughs> if that's all we have, we shouldn't be known for the grandeur of our building. We should be known for the grandeur of our God. God forbid if somebody walks out of this place that's never been here before and say, well, that was a nice building. Wow, those were comfortable sheet seats. Wow, those are pretty fancy light. Boy, did you see those video cameras? They're moving all around. No, they should walk out there and go, did you see lights? I don't, what lights are you talking about? Did you see the foot? I don't know what you're talking about. All I know is when I walked in that place, I felt something like I've never felt it before. God forbid, Antioch, if we ever become so comfortable because we finally made it into a beautiful sanctuary that we forget what got us here. We got here because we had a vested interest in coming together and letting the presence of God move amongst us. When the 
presence of God stops being our main priority, we start missing something. Because you know what? Go back in, the, in history. Go back to the Old Testament. Tell me what was beautiful about the tabernacle. The tabernacle was dyed badger skins. I got to admit, there's sometimes the, you let the devil play lies to you and say, well, you know, if, it was, if you did better this and you could do some better that, and you could do this better and you could have that going on and this going on, you know, people would really show up. And now they got this whole attitude that crept into the, into the world now and, and into the church world that, that now every church has become people conscious, not God conscious. We're doing everything we can to get people in the building and we're forgetting to get God in the building. And the bishop mentioned the other on Thursday and I, and I wholeheartedly agree with them. We've come up with this terminology now that's hot in the church world called seeker-sensitive churches. And basically that means is for those that are coming in, we want them to feel as comfortable as possible in this place. How many of you, when you walked in here for the first time, felt very comfortable? A lot of you looked around going, what in the world? What spaceship did I get off of and where did I land? And there's this term called seeker-sensitive. And it's even gotten to the point where now they don't want anything out of, don't, don't get too crazy, don't sing too loud, don't worship too demonstrative. Don't don't call out to God too loud. Don't kill a mosquito and kickstart a Honda because if you do that, you're going to scare somebody. In fact, I know of, of a well, I, I use the term friend loosely. We used to be friends, and we've kind of grown apart. We went separate directions. But it was a former friend of mine that pastored the church, and one of the policies that he instituted in his church was that if you're in, in church and you begin to feel the presence of God, don't respond to it out loud because you're going to scare somebody. Get up out of your seat and they made a special room. I wish I was making it up. They made a special room that you could go into and get out of the place where you might scare somebody and go in this special room and respond to God. When you start doing that, you're making it very clear, God, we really don't need you here. When you start making people try to feel as comfortable. And we want people, listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm saying within context, we, we don't want people to come here and feel, and be, and we want them to feel convicted by the Holy Ghost, but not shunned by the people. You know what I'm okay? There's a balance here, right? So I'm not saying we all sit here with our arms folded, looking at a scarling face because we don't want people to feel comfortable. We want to we wanna make, no, no, no. We should love, let God deal with everything else, right? They should feel comfortable because we reached out, shook their hand, hugged their neck, say, you know what? I don't know you, but it's so glad you're here. Let God do everything else, okay? So let's be people-friendly, but God-sensitive. Let's not be people-sensitive, 
and God-friendly. Let's be people-friendly, but God-sensitive. Because you know why? You know what's going to get somebody back the next week? It's not the preaching. It's not the singing. It's not the lights. It's not the pews. It's if they get into the presence of God where God is, and they begin to feel God like they never felt before, that's what draws people back to God. It's not you. It's not me. Yes, we need to be friendly. Yes, we need to be welcoming. Yes, we need to have things available and facilities available and do the best we can. All that's important. But you know what? When all that fails... We've got to have the presence of God in this place. But God forbid if we lose what got us here. We need some old-fashioned Antioch services where it just gets crazy. Where you get people that are moving around and dancing. We used to have, what was the, my man named? The, Gusta, what's it was? What was it? That Gus DeGratz, he used to run across the, the front of the church doing cartwheels and somersaults. You know what? Most of us look at that going, that's crazy. But when you begin to let the presence of God begin to erupt in a place, you know what? The hungry will look around and say, I don't understand it, but I want it. The unhungry will say, you know, this is just way too out of my league for me. We don't want you anyway. We want the hungry. Because... We don't need to waste our time with someone that's not even hungry. But we need every once in a while somebody just to get up a little bit when the Holy Ghost hits them and not stay in their seat, but just jump up and just let God get all over you. Why? Because we got to remember what we're here about. We're here because when we come together, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be in the midst. So David prepares to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. And he goes back in history, but he doesn't go far enough back in history. And he brings the ark of the covenant back the wrong way. You see, we want the presence of God, but we want it our way. We like what's convenient to us. We, 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 we want, we want what, what makes us feel good, what, what makes us, what makes us uh, 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 feel okay, well, what, what's good for us, what our opinion thinks is the right way to do it. And, and, and we, we get into this habit. We want, we want, we want God's presence, but, but we really want God to kind of do it in, in the realm of, of, of what we think is the best, what's, what's the most convenient for us. You know what? This is not... An arena. This is not a theater. I'm going to go as far as to say, it's not even a church. It's a building. We come in this place. And when we come to this place, we make it the church. Technically, during the week, this is not a church. It's a building. It's a church when people come together with the purpose of the presence of God. And you know what? There is a, there is a move nowadays that we're so busy. We got so much stuff going on, accomplishing so little, really. And because of that, we want to fit God into the little space over here and make it convenient over here, 
And I say this before, and I say it again. We want to be part-time Christians, but have a full-time God. Any of you people here own a business. How many of you want to hire an employee and let them work part-time, but give them full-time benefits? There's no way. Now, one of you business owners in here would ever hire an employee and let them work part-time, but in return, give them full-time benefits. You wouldn't do that. Go to your boss next on tomorrow when you get to work. Say, listen, boss, I got to talk to you. What are you talking about? Well, you know, I've been thinking and I've got a lot of stuff going on in, you know, my life and I've got kids and problems and situations. I'm just overwhelmed. I'm thinking, really, it'd be okay if I just took some time off work and just took it easy for a while. And I need to, I need to step back a little bit. But, but, but you, if you could, could you continue to pay me? my health insurance, my vacation, all that. You know, can we work out arrangement? How many of you think that would work? But yet we come to God and we negotiate with God. God, I'll give you my Sunday morning, but you and I need you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Look, I'm carving you. God, look at the sacrifice I'm making. I'm, I'm, I'm being a little ornery here, but it's okay. Look at the sacrifice I've made this morning, God. I got up. I'm tired. I got to go to work tomorrow. I would never think about missing work, but, but I thought about skipping out today, but, but I, I sacrificed to get here. Now, because I'm here, you owe me. You say, well, that's not my attitude. Really? 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 And we want, we're, we're trying to create this this presence of God working in our lives, but we want to do it in a part-time way. You see, the Bible says that David desired to bring the ark, the presence of God, back to Jerusalem. And the Bible says that he inquired of God. He inquired of God, which was a total different take than his predecessor, King Saul, because the Bible said very specifically that Saul didn't inquire of God. You see, a lot of our problems is, is that we've stopped inquiring of God. We want to inquire of everybody else. I want to know your opinion about me, but then I really want to know his opinion about me. I want to know what you're doing that works for you versus asking God what he wants me to do that works for me. And we're trying to read this book, and we're trying to go here, and we're trying to listen to this, we're trying to do that, and we're inquiring everybody. And you listen to some of you, your, you talk, because you know what? You learn a lot about just listening to people talk. And it's a head-scratcher, because you talk about things going on in your life, the sins you're making, and not one time does prayer ever enter the equation. One of the great and I say it truly, blessings of pastoring is being able to sit down and talk with people and help them and try to be used to God to minister to them sitting across the table, not just in a pulpit, but across the table. But you know what? We could cut that down to 10% if people would simply pray. That would be cut to 10%. 
if people would just pray. Because we want to figure out everything else that's going on. We want to know everything else that's happening. What this person's doing. What works over here. What this, what's the new idea over here. What works over there. And, and we, we, we become Christian fad dieters, right? We go to Axons, the Weight Watchers, to Jenny Craig, to Nutrisystem, to South Beach, to this, to that. Try to find everything we can because we want the magic pill. Oh, it's getting quiet. That must mean we're getting good. We dropped it down the third gear and second gear. And now we're just grinding some gears on the way up the hill. But you see, the problem is when you forget the reason you and I were created. We were created to be worshipers. You and I were put on this earth to be worshipers. That's the reason why you and I were created. We were created to be worshipers. You see, worshipers don't struggle with faith. Because when you worship, God gets big. And the bigger God gets, the more your faith says he can do anything. Worshippers don't struggle with junk in their heart because when you worship and you get in the presence of God, the presence of God begins to change you from the inside out. Worshippers don't suffer from low self-esteem, from lack of focus, lack of vision, lack of that. Because you know why? You can't tell God how great and how big and who he is without God turning around and telling you who you are. Oh, you missed that. You can't tell God who he is without him telling you who you are. Watch this. Go to Romans chapter 1, verse number 22. Watch what happens. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image of made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and to creeping things. I know that sounds a little crazy, but you know what that means? Let me bring it down. You know what that means? They became from, the verse, leave that verse there, but the verse before says they went from wise to fools. What changed them from being wise to fools? They changed the way they worshiped. They changed the way they worship. They changed it from worshiping God and they changed it to worshiping man, birds, beast, and the creeping things. Now watch what happens when you change your worship. Who changed, here we, wherefore, verse 24, the next verse, what happens when you change your worship? Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. God, when you stop worshiping God, he says, I don't even know who you are anymore. God takes his hand off your life. It's not because you keep stop coming to church. It's not because you, you'd, be turn, you'd, you'd turn into some bad person when you change your worship. You know what's scary about that? You could be sitting on this seat today and still worshiping the wrong way. Just because you're in this church today and you're sitting on these seats does not 
give you a free get out of jail free card. And he said, when you change your worship, God will give them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. That when God, when you change your worship, God takes the key out of his pocket, reaches in and unlocks all the junk in your heart. And you know what? Some of you, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to get right up in it. Some of you are struggling with lust and junk in your heart. You can't get rid of And you're banging the floor asking God to do it. And the whole time you're asking God to do it only to save your bacon versus throwing your hands up and changing the way you worship. I'm making friends today. Verse 25, who changed? Now watch this. This is just, watch. All of this is a byproduct of changing the way you worship. What happens? He opens up the, the, the box and lets all that junk out. And then what happens next? He, they change the truth. Verse 25, the, change the truth of God into a lie. When you change your worship, not only do you start stuck struggling with junk in your heart, then you can't even correctly divide and interpret the word of God anymore. You show me somebody that's starting to drift into false doctrine, I'll show you somebody that stopped worshiping a long time ago. Because you can't worship correctly and fall into all that junk. You can't worship correctly and then come back and say, well, you know, I've been studying. It's amazing how people study the Bible, but then say God requires, you know, the, I thought the more you study, the more you pray, the more you want to get closer to God. But it seemed like some people, the more they study and they pray, the more they realize, you know what, you don't really need to be. You can just step away and do whatever you want. God loves everybody. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What Bible are you reading? And when you do that, change this truth. Now watch this. Here's what happens. So they, they change the image. They change what they're worshiping. God unlocks the door of their heart, all the lust and junk. They change the truth of God to a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Meaning when you do this stuff, when you change the way you worship, I'm not talking about you stop clapping. You, I'm meaning when you stop becoming passionate about worship, when worship is not your priority, there is junk that starts coming out in your heart. You fall into the, 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 the unability to be able to correctly see the truth of the word. And then what happens? You become a me person. Because it becomes about the creator, the creation more than the creator. It's all about me. My ministry. What's best for me? People don't like me. People don't do this for me. What's this? Me, 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 me. You tell me somebody that every time you stop and you talk to them, it's all about them. Mark it down in your birth. They're not a worshiper. Oh, it's not good, is it? Boy, you don't like this, do you? It's not me. Blame Jesus. I'm just a telephone. You tell me, you show me somebody, it's all about me. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about me. 
It's all about me, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing you made it because you know it's all about me. It's all about me, Jesus. Fix me, Lord. Heal me, Lord. Feed me, Lord. And if you don't get blessed, that's okay. You have everything. It's about me. That's our new theme song. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how Paul can be so accurate so long ago, right? You would think he was actually saying this in the Holy Ghost instead of just writing a letter. Verse 26. For this cause. Here we go again. So when you stop worshiping right, I want you to just picture this. You wonder how people get out there. How do people who know God, how do they get so squirrely? I'm showing you how. They stop the way they worship it. What happens? God unlocks the box. They start falling into doctrines that aren't truth, but are lies. They start becoming me people. And then God says, well, you know what? You're going to keep going down this road? Let me just open up everything. Verse 26 says, for this cause God gave them up to vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into which is against nature. And likewise also men, leaving the natural use of women, burned in the lust towards one another, men and with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was met. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the things which are not convenient. Do you know why? I'm going to say this very politically. Do you know why there's so much junk in America? Do you know why we're everywhere you turn, we're trying to be crammed with accept this, this is okay? You know why? Because America stopped worshiping God. For whatever problems this country has, for whatever issues we have, this country was founded upon the fact that we came here so that we could serve and worship God. That's why we came here, folks, in the beginning. Go back and read it in your history book. Why this country was ever founded. It was founded so people could worship God. But because we have changed what we're worshiping, and now we worship people instead of God, God has opened up America to become consumed on its own lust. And we now have more people addicted to more things than ever in our history. We've got so much junk being crammed down our throat. And finally, because we have not repented and changed, now God has totally ripped off the whole box. And now all the junk that was kept at bay has now... You can legalize all you want. You can legalize something, but it still doesn't make it okay in the Word of God. Since when have we as the church allowed our government to become the final authority in our life? The Bible says, render under Caesar that which is Caesar. You've got to pay your taxes. You've got to obey the speed limit. You've got you to be a good citizen. But you can't allow the government to tell you what or what not to believe. I usually stay away from this subject, but I'm just reading, okay? That's what the Bible says. What happens? It all took place when 
you change the way they worship. So what do I mean? How do I get back? I get back by changing the way I worship. Not just simply repenting, not simply prayer. I've got to worship because I can't pray right if I don't worship right. I can't do all the stuff. Why? Because worship is the purest form of serving God because it's what God put us here for. It's what distinguishes me from the angels because they're forced to praise God. They can't ask for a glass of water. They can't sit down because they're tired because every time they open up their mouth, the Bible says they sing praise to God. But you and I have a choice. That is our great advantage and our great disadvantage at the same time. We have a choice to praise God. We have a choice to come here today or stay home today. We have a choice. Because we were designed to be worshipers. That's why we were designed. And if we get our worship right, everything else falls into place. You see... Worship is the most important thing we do every time we come together. It's not preaching. I've heard people say, and I mean this, I've heard people say, you know, kind of be kind, trying to be kind, I guess. Maybe they believe it or trying to be kind. I've heard people say when they're announcing the preacher, now for the most important part of the service, the preaching of the word of God. I don't see that in the Bible. The most important part of any time you come together is worship. Preaching was only designed to deal with sin. Because it's done by the foolishness of preaching, some men men be saved. So preaching is only designed to deal with a sin problem. But if we didn't have sin, we still have to worship. So worship preceded preaching. But now we've made preachers stars and worship is just something we do to wait for everyone to get there to hear the star preach. It's just preliminary things that we do. You know, if I'm, if I'm a few minutes late to worship, as long as I get there before the preacher starts, I'm okay, I'm on time. No! I'm not advocating this, but you're better off getting here, staying to worship and leaving. And you know what? I'm going to say this. I'm going to turn around and say this one because it's not going to go over too well. But if all you're concerned about is the preaching, you're letting the world know, I've got sin I can't get over. I need somebody to help me and preach to me. When preaching is more of a priority than your worship, you just converted the whole world and told them what your problem is. Oh, Jesus. I'm usually nice. Woo! Hallelujah. Let's go back and talk about David here. We got we to find a runway here before I get myself in some real big trouble. If you're first time here today, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> Ask somebody else, honestly. But you know what? Honestly, let's just call it... What good is it if I'm a nice guy 
but nothing ever happens. What good is it if I'm a nice guy, but we just come here, go through the motion, and we die as a church? Every once in a while, we got to remind it what all this is about. We've come here. You know what? Oh, I feel, I feel better now. Church is not about the people. Church is about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because you know what? Last time I checked, you've never healed anybody. You've never set anybody free. You've never filled anybody. You've never forgiven anybody. But the one that's in this place today picked me up, turned me around, washed me, cleansed me, set me free, gave me hope. you know what? I would love for everybody to come back next week. But if you don't come back next week, I'm still coming. Why? Because really, honestly, you being here is great. But if you don't show up anymore, that's okay. Because we need the healer, the savior, the deliverer, the lifter of my head to be in this place. I think Vicki Wine is the one that said it. As long as I've got King Jesus, I don't need anybody else. Church was never designed to be about the people. Church was never designed to be about the music or about the preaching. Church was designed to be about the presence of God. Hey, guess what? Do you know God has an address? You can mail them a letter. P.O. Box praise. Because the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. Let me ask somebody here today. What kind of house are you building for God? Are you building a shack? Are you building a jalopy? Or are you building a temple with your praise that says, God, I want to make a place for you to inhabit. Because without praise, this is a mausoleum. It's a cemetery. It's only a reminder of what used to live, what used to be. We can walk around and look at the dates and say, remember when that happened? That happened. But that's not what this is supposed to be about. This is a place where God is supposed to come in and life and liberty and hope and joy and peace and righteousness is supposed to fill this place. How does it get here? Not through preaching. It comes with when you and I get together and we begin to lift up the name above all names. You can have church without preaching, but you can't have church without praise. You can't have church without worship. David said this, he said, one thing and one thing only 
have I desired that I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know what some of our problem is? Our prayer list is way too long. God gets bored after about number 17. We need to condense our prayer life to one and one thing only. God, I just want to get in your presence and live in your presence and abide in your presence. Did David have problems? Yes. Did David have difficulties? Yes. He was running for a man that wanted to kill him living in a cave with an army of people that at one moment loved him, the other moment wanted to kill him. And what did he say? He said, one thing and one thing only have I desired, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know why? You say, well, I don't, sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes I don't know what's going on. And I'm preaching myself too. Sometimes you don't feel it. You know what? Fake it till you make it. You know what? Fake it till you make it. We, I don't feel like it. You know what? Hey, even we can teach seals to do this, folks. You can do that without a problem. It doesn't take a college education. If your arm's broke, pat your leg. If those are broke, knock your neighbor with the elbow, but do something. Because you know what? You say, well, that's just goofing off. You're just playing around. No, honey, when I fake it, someday I'm going to make it. I may start off with a clap. It may sound foolish, but all of a sudden, one day, God's going to get a hold of me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. So watch what happens. I'm almost done. So David, go back to our story. David brings the ark, desires to bring the ark out of the house of Abinadad to Jerusalem. He goes back in history, but it doesn't go back far enough. And he brings the ark on a cart pulled by animals. Not the way God intended it. And on its journey, the ark fell. And when the ark fell, a man by the name of Uzzah reached out and grabbed the ark to keep it from falling. And when he did that, the Bible says that he died. But the question is, why of all those that were surrounding, you know there had to be a crowd that day following the ark. I mean, this was like the circus coming to town. This is a big deal, right? Why of everybody there was he the one that reached out? Uzzah was the son of Abinadad. The ark had been in Abinadad's house for over 20 years. Uzzah had become comfortable and complacent with the presence of God. It was just something he was used to. It wasn't a big deal anymore. He lost his reverence for it. He lost his awe for it. He lost his hunger for it. Because it had just been around. All, it was one of the things that, you know, get up in the morning, have your breakfast, there's the ark. Go to bed at night, good night ark. It was there all the time. So when he became comfortable with the ark, he then thought it was no big deal to step out of the order that God had given You see, the ark was designed to be carried upon man's shoulders. 
The presence of God was designed to be carried upon the shoulders of men. Not I know in the Bible that was a gender-specific, but I'm not using that today, gender-specific, because it was carried by the priest. If you have the Holy Ghost, you're in the priesthood. So it was designed to be carried by the priest. It was designed to be carried on the shoulders of men. It was not designed to be carried on a cart. What does a cart represent? It cart represents an invention, a program, something man creates. Praise and the presence of God was never designed to be carried on what man could do. The presence of God was supposed to be something. You had four men, each two in each corner. It was supposed to be an even load. Oh, we're, we're, gonna, we're landing the plane. It was supposed to be an even load. You're on one corner. I'm on the other corner. We got two people in the back. All of us have a hand involved in carrying the presence of God. If one of us doesn't do our job, what happens? The ark falls. So you know what that means? If you've got the Holy Ghost and you come in this place... For service, you have the responsibility by the word of God to get a hold of the presence of God and carry your part of what God is going to do. Don't sit there and look at me and say, what are you going to do today, preacher? How are you going to do it? You get your hand on the ark and say, look, I'm a part of this too. But you see, the problem is we've gotten so accustomed to the presence of God. God moved today. It was good. People were healed today, but it was just another service. Lives were changed today, but you know, we got out. Time to go get some food. God's presence ushered in this place today in such a powerful way, but you know, we got things to do. We've become common with the presence of God. And what happens when the presence of God becomes something common? It's no big deal if we step out the word of God a little bit. It's no big deal if I, if I don't follow exactly what God's saying because it's just the presence of God. Or when you first walked in this place for the very first time and you were, you were in total reverence and awe of what you felt and the first time you were baptized, the first time you filled the Holy Ghost, no one could tell you to sit down because you were so enamored by what you felt and all you want to do is get more and 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 more. Paul said, how can something that was began in the spirit be finished in the flesh? My question to you is, how can something in your life, you know why you're stagnant? It's not because God's changed. It's not because you've got problems that you can't deal with. It's because you stopped being a worshiper. Worship. We have to become passionate again about worship. We've got to become passionate. I, we need to witness. We need to, we need to go out and reach people. But the Bible says in John, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, I, not you, I, I will draw all men unto you. If people aren't being drawn to this place, it's for one reason and one reason only. It's not that we're too strict. We got too many rules. You know, Acts 2.38, oneness of God's too much for people nowadays in this modern world. No, it's for one reason and one reason only. We've stopped being worshipers. And I know I'm not the bishop or the pastor, but I felt this very strongly in prayer this morning. Antioch, 
has too many oozes in the house. We have too many people that have lived with the presence of God so much, they become accustomed to it, and it's no big deal anymore when God moves. So if God wants to put his ark on a cart, you don't even protest it anymore. It's okay for you. We carried it long enough. But we've got to get passionate again. Not just corporately, but personally, individually. We've got to get passionate again about worship. Because if we get passionate again about worship and we begin to lift up the name of Jesus, God said, if you do that part, I'll do the drawing. I'll pull them in. But if, I got to admit, I, I, I say this with all soberness and sincerity. I've battled, and it's a spiritual battle. It's not a mental battle. The spirit, the, Satan has, has, has tried to enter my mind and tell me, you know what, if we back off some stuff here, if we weren't so kind of crazy, if we were a little more reserved, if we were a little more mainstream, that would probably get more people here. No. We need to be less mainstream. Because you know what? The mainstream ain't working. People aren't looking for mainstream. People want something that's real. People want something that can change their life. They need to come where Jesus is. The Son of Man. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become the Son of God. That's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. It's about you and I getting back to the purpose of all this. You have stuff in your life. You've got stuff going on in your life you can't get over. You don't know what's going on. And you're trying to figure it all out and try to put all the pieces together and try to dot every I and cross every T and try to get on. You don't have direction. You don't have this. You say, what am I going to do? And you're praying and you're, you got a list longer than your arm of all the stuff you're trying to get God to do and nothing seems to be working. Become a worshiper. Notice, I'm not saying a praiser. Because you know what? Everybody can clap their hands. Everybody can lift their hands. It doesn't take much Holy Ghost. But to be a worshiper means you have to have a vested interest into stepping into the presence of God and getting into the presence of God. That you're willing to forget about who's on your right, who's on your left, who's in front of you, who's behind you. And it just becomes you and Jesus and you have tunnel vision. You know what we need? We just need to get back to where it's all about Him. We don't need another revelation. We don't need another great prayer meeting. We just need Jesus. Just Jesus. We just need Him. And what's the best way to get there? Enter His gate with thanksgiving. Into His courts with praise. And when I get into the throne room and I'm before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, something gets a hold of me. And I know that I'm in the presence of the King. And as I begin to lift up the king, he says, because you've lifted me up, I in return, I'm going to lift you up. Because you put me first, I'm going to put you first. Because you invested in me, I'm going to invest in you. Why? Not because we're prayers. Not because you may not be able to sing on key. You may not even know what a key is. But that doesn't stop you from worshiping.
You see, worship has to come from hunger. You can't worship out of complacency. You can't worship out of apathy. Something has got to rise down on the inside of your heart that desires to be a worshiper. Not ask God for anything. Not want anything in return. But just spend time in His presence magnifying, loving Him, telling Him who He is. And when you do that, guess what? In return, he says, you've created somewhere for me to live. I will come and abide with you. I wonder if there's anybody right now that you'd get out of your seat. You'd come down here and you would just spend some time at this altar, not kneeling, not asking for anything, but just spend time at this altar saying, God, for the next five minutes, I'm going to just make it about you and me and your presence. I just want to be in your presence. Come on, you and Jesus, don't ask for anything. Just get into his presence. We sang it earlier, in the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty. Everything changes when you get into his presence and you begin to worship. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost moving in such a sweet way. Become a worshiper again. Make it your desire. Make it your focus to become a worshiper. I want to be a worshiper. David was a man after God's own heart. Not because he was a better prayer. Not because he was a better person. He was a man after God's own heart because he was first and foremost a worshiper. He was a worshiper. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Oh, come on. That's beautiful. Something is moving in this place. Come on. God is beginning to move in this place because we're creating a habit, a habitation for him to dwell in. If you need healing, be a worshiper. If you need deliverance, be a worshiper. If you need hope, be a worshiper. If you need faith, be a worshiper. If you're depressed, be a worshiper. If you're directionless, be a worshiper. Be a worshiper. Be a worshiper. Make it your priority. Make it what you are. Make it your desire to be a worshiper. Come on, that's it. It's not about a song. It's not about a beat. It's about you and Jesus. You and Jesus. You and Jesus. Oh. You and me, Jesus. You and me, Jesus. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. It's just you and me. It's just you and me. It's just you and me. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. It's just to be you and me. You and me. You and me. You and me. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Oh, I say now, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. I lift my head and I bow my head. 
God is moving in this place. Just make it about you and Him for a moment. Not who's here, who's not here. Not what you have to do next, but you and Him. You're a worshiper. For the next five minutes, you're just a worshiper. That's all you are. That's all your focus is. I just want to be a worshiper, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. need you, Lord. I need you right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. You can't be a worshiper and leave empty-handed. You can't leave. You can't be a worshiper and leave untouched. When you worship, something happens. I need you, Lord. Right now, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Need you, Lord. Right now, yeah, yeah. I need you, Lord. I lift my hands and bow my knees to worship at Your throne. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Hallelujah. Come on, I think with just one more time all over this place, if you just close your eyes and lift your hands, just one more time. This is usually where we would stop and go into something else. But I think after what God has done here and said through it said today, we need to respond one more time to Him, go a little farther because He's in this place to recognize He's here, to recognize the fact. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're not praying, sing this. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've hated it's all about you yes it is it's all about you Jesus coming back to the heart of worship it's all about it's all about you I'm sorry Lord for the thing Cause it's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. Gee, sing this part. When the music fades, say. When the music fades, and all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring, say. Longing just to bring something, something that is worth that will bless. That will bless your heart. Oh, here's what we bring. Say, I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have desired. You search, 
Sing it. I'm coming back to the heart. Everybody sing. And it's all about you. For we say, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. For the thing, for the thing I've made it. It's all about you. Yes, it's all. One more time, everybody sing. Oh. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Father, today we come from so many different walks of life. Some come from the mountain, others come from the valley. Some come from the road paved smoothly, others come from the road roughly traveled. But God, you see every one of us in all of our shortcomings, all of our difficulties, all of our ups, all of our downs. But most importantly, God, you see us from which you have created us and that is you see us as first and foremost worshipers and God I pray today that in this place it would be loosed a fresh hunger a fresh desire to be worshipers that you've called us to be in the name of Jesus by the power of the word I loose in this place a fresh hunger to be worshipers God where it's not about the person on our right or left but each one of us take on responsibility to become a worshiper to become a worshiper to worship you in spirit and in truth to worship you with hands lifted with hearts raised with spirits open but to become worshipers where we come into your presence not simply to receive but we come into your presence to give but maybe not to give to our neighbor but first and foremost God to give to you because you desire your praise you desire for the creator to connect with the creation and God you designed the avenue of praise to do that and God I pray a fresh revelation a fresh hunger a fresh desire would fall upon us to become worshipers 
If we don't become anything else, we don't be, if we're never known by anything else, God, let us be known as worshipers because that's what you made us to be. I pray that in the name of Jesus. I loose that in the name of Jesus. I speak that in the name of Jesus. God, let Antioch become a place of worship again. Let Antioch become a place where worship is the first priority when we walk in and the last thing we think about when we leave. If ministry doesn't take place, if things that happen, but God, let worship be what we're known for. Let worship be known for what happens here that your presence would move that lives would be changed because of your presence let all this be done in your name we speak all of this in your name we claim this all in your name in Jesus name can we just lift our hands one more time and just thank the Lord for what he has done today can we do that he's so worthy 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 hallelujah praise God praise God praise God Praise God. Amen. Don't forget tonight, Tent Revival, 6 p.m. down there. Ladies, don't forget, wear shoes that are appropriate because it is outside and there are rocks and stuff. And so we want to make sure everybody is safe. God bless you.